I know. All right. Okay. All right, here we go, folks. Uh, special Wednesday night edition of Fade the Mahoney. We've been uh, talking about this one for a couple weeks now, thanks to Irie Guy for hooking us up with uh, Jeffrey Allen Grasso. I got all that correct, correct right? Absolutely. Yep. Um, thanks for stopping by. Uh, Thank you for having me. Love uh, to be here. Very well, fun. We've uh, we've all seen rounders. We've all, for the most part, we love rounders. A lot of us have seen rounders 5, 10, 15 20 times maybe uh chris moneymaker credits rounders for uh one of his uh reasons for getting into the game which rippled a whole bunch of thing a lot of us like hold'em and uh can fairly confidently say that if it wasn't for this gentleman right here there would be no rounders so uh thanks for stopping by we're going to talk about your book if that's cool great i would love to talk about it dirty right. dealing Dirty Dealing. I'm going to read the whole super long uh, Dirty Dealing. Grasso uh -oh. versus Miramax, waging war with Harvey Weinstein and the screenplay that changed Hollywood. That's correct. That's it. It's going to be a link down below. If you're watching It's kind of this, a long title, but you know, I wanted to explain sort of what was happening in yeah. the subtitle. You know what I mean? Getting Weinstein in there, I think, is a uh, pretty good idea. Uh, sure. Just, just for the record... It is Fade the Mahoney's position, sort of like with Ben Roethlisberger. We are anti-rape. That is right. our position right. on Fade the Mahoney. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm you with know? you as well on that. Yeah. Yeah. Fully, fully. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, a thousand percent. I've read the book. I think the book is great. I'll have some questions, but let me just open it up. Why don't you give us a thumbnail or... However long you want to go, tell us about the book, what's it about, and uh, I'm going to have some questions as we go. Okay, great, yeah. Uh, Dirty Dealing, right, it's a, um, well, it's a comedy, really, that uh, recounts the court case I was involved in against Miramax, with Harvey Weinstein being the chairman, boss, you know, despot, whatever, uh, that made a lot of news some years ago, and uh, the case, so... I obviously allege that they stole or used my screenplay um, in order to source basically rounders. Um, and then there was a long court case over it. I sued, I found a lawyer and I su we sued. And it became sort of a famous case because my lawyer was able to change the law. He changed American copyright law uh, and became the California lawyer of the year. And it made a lot of press. It was all over the news. Um, for a while, you could find you know, hundreds of web pages about it. It was on the LA Times, New York Times, NPR. They interviewed me. It was a big deal for a while. And then um, in the end, we lost the case. So I lost the case. They won. We lost. I got nothing. My lawyer did pretty well. He became sort of the uh, intellectual property lawyer, the go-to guy um, in town. And he was actually working in a and a very sort of high rise hotshot law firm in downtown LA, already a partner in that firm. Uh, and then he left that firm to start his own firm on his own, uh, just to do IP cases generally in Hollywood and, and did, did very well. Yeah, he would send me the clippings for a while. Yeah, he's, yeah. You, mm -hmm. you, you do point out in the book about how he, uh, for a little while, he would call you with every new case that he won. And, right. Yes. And, yes, he did. And he would always say they owe you a debt of gratitude and all this, which was very nice to hear. And uh, he was a great guy. You know, I mean, he took my case on a contingency basis. I didn't have a retainer to pay. And um, it was a very expensive and drawn out case. It was very, very protracted, 10 years. 
and uh, he pulled some some uh, lawyering that kept us in the game for a while until until we got uh, ousted for reasons that I still are, have uh, contention with as what is the book is about basically yeah. among other things it's also about poker and it's a memoir um, of my life my life in poker and some other things. Mm -hmm. You uh, you you spoiled the ending a little bit there by saying you didn't win, but right. the reason you didn't win uh, is pretty fascinating. I think it sort of it sort of spells out how the system is more or less rigged, um, right? For for the big boys, um, uh, thematically, the book is about corruption. Basically, it's about corruption and how rampant it's gotten, and how almost we take it for granted now, like it's nothing. Uh, I mean, you can't even, I, I didn't even cite any examples because when I started to write that paragraph, I, I was on the second page. It's just turn on the news at any, any given time of any day, the Theranos lady, Donald Trump. I mean, it's just everywhere and it seems to be almost accepted. And uh, so that's bothersome. And I was in personally, I have a personal sort of stake in uh, that situation whereby it seems to me at least, and judging from the book that you read, which is all true, it's all documented. It can all be proven. There's witnesses all, all over the place. Um, it looks like it was rigged. I mean, let's be honest, right? Uh, you did a uh, what I thought was a really excellent methodical job of step-by-step -step of showing where your pieces fall into, I guess, that greater puzzle. I was talking to a buddy, uh, shout out Dr. Burbs, I was talking to him earlier today. And after I read the book, I think the best case scenario you can make for their side and correct me if, if you think I have this wrong. The best case scenario you could make for their side is uh, they were coincidentally making, uh, uh, writing a, a movie at the same time and uh, decided a whole bunch of your scenes would look really, really good in their movie. I mean, that's like right. the best case scenario you can make for them, right? Yeah, yeah. I've gone down that path of, of conjecture as to what actually took place. And you're... you're um theory is as close to mine as as any of that as, as could possibly be i figured that um there's some things i can't get into but uh i figured that somebody was connected and someone decided they wanted to write a write a movie or be in the movie business and my script happened to be there maybe they even said i want to write a poker movie that's, that's possible i suppose sure. and, said, I want to, and someone said guess what just came in the mail today or whatever here take this and run with it but uh you know make it lower budget uh, set it in New York, and uh, and you have a go picture or whatever. I suppose. I mean, like I said, this is all conjecture, mm -hmm. but um, I'm a, I'm assuming it was something along those lines, just like you said. Okay. Well, you had mentioned uh, kind of what what comprised the book, what the book was about. I the, a few notes that I wrote on here. Uh, part of the book is strictly poker. There's even some poker hands and some poker tournaments uh, that you were in in there. Part of it is uh, a courtroom slash legal thriller. Um, Correct. Part of it is how Hollywood works, or in your case, doesn't work. Um, part of it is an exploration of a, a variety of fascinating characters. But what I think a lot of people would like, and I think why people should buy the book, it's a worm origin story. Um. I guess you could say that. Yeah. I mean, if that was a coincidence, I mean, I can't even tell you. I mean, look, you can use your own. Like I said, in this book, I'm not, people think I'm crazy when I tell the story, which is why I wrote the book. And like you say, I was very careful to be as methodical as I could be 
laying it all out and letting you make up your own mind. I'm, not, I'm trying to put not my opinion in there, but yeah, I did have a character named Worm in my, what's going on right now? Sorry. That's okay. I did have a character, I'm a novice. I'm a total novice. Like this. This, okay. is my first, this is my first podcast. How's, how's the lighting? Do I look okay? You look great. Good, good. Like Gary Shanley. Shout out, out um, Marshawn Lynch. Right, Marshawn. Thank God there's uh, uh, Derek Henry now, so he can give me my fulfillment of uh, guys who just run people over, you know, because that's, that's my favorite plays, you know what I mean? Um, I have a character named Worm in my screenplay. It's a different character. It's not the Worm character in Rounders, but I do have a character named, I don't want to give away too much, but I, but I have a character named Worm, whose mm -hmm. nickname is the Worm. So that doesn't seem like it'd be possible to be a coincidence. And a movie about college kids playing Hold'em and getting in trouble with loan sharks with Johnny Chan, written before any Hold'em movie ever existed. And there's two worms, one in each one. I mean, you don't need to go any further than that, even if you're, if you're a skeptic, but um, there's a lot more, of course, evidence and detail in, in the book. Well, the, the, the guy who is your, was, is your real life buddy, um, Munchie, that's the gentleman's name in the book. Right. Mm -hmm. I just kind of assumed that uh, they took worm and slapped it on for better. I mean, I guess that character in the movie. That's and correct. Yeah. So if we're talking about the the rounders movie, worm, mm -hmm. you go into pretty good detail about how he gets into that world. Yeah. And, uh, like I said, people who like rounders, they're gonna love that stuff. The stuff about Munchie, how he got involved. How basically? Yeah, it's a true story. He, he, I mean, the, I mean, it, it all happened. I, I, I lived through it, and uh, it was him. And he, he, of course, being Munchie, would argue that I'm Munchie, and he's Matt Damon, right? That's, that's the way he sees it. You know what, you know what I mean? But like in reality, um, that's what happened. It was based on on real life events. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's there's, a, there's a there's uh, a again not to give away too much. There's a great part in the book where. Uh, just like in professional wrestling, he has a full heel turn on you. And uh, yeah. it's fascinating. Yeah. I'm, tell yeah. I'm telling you guys, you got to <clears throat> click the link below, order the book. Don't even think about it. It'll show up on your doorstep in a couple of months. It's right. Available right now on amazon.com. And if you're the last person on earth to not have Amazon, Barnes and Noble. Oh, wow. Those are still around? Double alleys. I, I didn't even know myself till they, till they told me about that. Look, I remembered the name. I don't even know. Yeah, they're, they've gone the way of the dodo, as they say. But um, it's on Amazon, so everybody can find that easily enough. But uh, yeah, thank you for the for the um, praise, and uh, I hope people people like it. Sure. Um, and you've you've agreed you've agreed to do once it goes to a national bestseller, you've agreed to do the audio version for those of us who can't read. Right, yeah, yeah. I'll give a little backstory to the viewing audience. I'm gonna go um, on, on unauthorized uh, inside baseball here. Mm -hmm. So E-Donk and I have already been uh, engaged in a very heated email battle, mm -hmm. whereby he wanted me to read the book into a recorder for him by today, from yesterday, so that he could listen to it uh, <laughs> during the, before he hit the podcast. And I Figured that he was joking with me and told him I couldn't possibly have time to to uh, you know make all the big words into smaller smaller words, and so that was my you know so we're we're going back and forth like this. I figured that was uh, trying to fit in. Yeah. yeah, I I I appreciate the effort. 
<laughs> but yes, um, I would love to share that with you. And that will be on me. When Matt Damon reads the audiobook, you will get one in your inbox and, and it'll be with a little bow and a little little emoji from, from uh, Jeffrey Allen Grasso. That would be, obviously that would be amazing if either him or uh, Edward Norton actually ended up reading. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it opens all kinds of, uh, you know, but I mean, again, those guys were just actors who played the parts in that movie, you know, so I don't know how involved they are or if they even know the case or my story at all, but um, yeah, it would be funny. I, I mentioned in the book, I think, that if they made it into a movie, I think, uh, you know, Matt Damon should obviously play me, even though he's obviously. not quite as good looking as, as I am, obviously, <laughs> but we'll, we'll let it slide, you know what I mean? Well, it, it would be cool if people get the book and read the book. Uh, we, we spoke with Maria Ho last week on the show, and I mentioned that you were coming, uh, coming on this week to talk about the lawsuit, uh, et cetera, and she didn't have any idea. So I assume even people in the poker world don't have any idea. It's, um, no. There's a lot of cool uh, things. I remember, I remember hearing maybe Irie say something. Um, maybe he was present, but when the movie came out, um, I think he mentioned that you went to the movie and were basically reciting lines from the movie as they were taking place. Is it, is it, is, was Irie there or were you, or is this just secondhand? It's absolutely true. Irie guy uh, is a, a very old and dear friend of mine. And he was actually there for all of this, for everything in the book. He was, he was present um, for everything from, from when it actually happened, from the movie I wrote about what had happened to the lawsuit, to, to everything. Um, and uh, so absolutely, yes. Um, I remember that experience. And uh, I don't know about reciting lines verbatim, but because he had been so close to it and he, had, he knew what I was doing when, when he watched it, he could understand it the same way I was watching because he had read the screenplay. So it was, yeah, it was interesting. And I was probably not in a great mood uh, that night afterwards, but uh, yeah, he, he was involved for the whole thing. There's lots of people who are, that's the thing. Everybody thinks I'm crazy, but there was a lot of people around for all of this. It all, it all happened. You know, it's a, it's a nonfiction book. So ergo to it, therefore, you know, these are real people in some context, you know, I had to change names and things, but, uh, but yeah. And, um, Irie uh, was involved, heavily involved, all the way up into the production of the book. Irie Guy has actually been very, very supportive and uh, helpful, even in an editorial capacity, um, believe it or not. You wouldn't know what to look at him, but uh, the guy's, that's pretty bright. Yeah. <laughs> Irie's the best. His, uh, his episode, uh, all of you watching this, if you haven't, uh, if you're new to Fade the Mahoney, I think it was uh, two weeks ago. <clears throat> He was uh, sitting here at this same time. We did a show mm -hmm. with him where he recounted a pretty awesome crap story and mm -hmm. a pretty awesome uh, super high stakes uh, hold'em hand with uh, John Robert Ballon. So if you All haven't right. watched that after you finish this, uh, go back and watch that. Absolutely. I watched that episode and it's fabulous. And I know that crap story. I know the people involved and it's one of my favorite uh, uh, Ivy guy gambling stories of all time for sure. Yeah. It's a good one. Um, oh, look at that cameo. Um, okay. Just a couple more uh, bullet points I've uh, got about the book. There are so many cool scenes in the book from introduce uh, you introducing uh, your attorney to the story and uh, how he basically wanted nothing to do with you. Uh, mm -hmm. and how that 
grew until I think you had mentioned he became uh, attorney of the year for the state of California based mm -hmm. upon your case. Um, and I hope he sends you wonderful holiday gifts every year for right all yeah. of you. All of, from what it sounds like, he sleeps on a pile of money that uh, probably started from your case. So, mm -hmm. well, yeah, point. he's a good guy. He's he's since passed on. God bless. Oh. And uh, I used to say I never even got a fruit basket. That was my joke. You know what I mean? Because he would say these people owe you a debt of gratitude or whatever. But but God bless him. Uh, let's not forget he, he took my case and believed in me when nobody else did yeah. really. You know so. Um, if it wasn't for him, uh, there would have been no case and he certainly wouldn't have changed the law because I didn't have anything to do with that. I'm not a lawyer. Right. Um, so he used my case as a, as a fulcrum or whatever, but the lever, however you want to put it, was, it was is his it, invention. Um, is, really is, the, is, the case, is the case closed? Like you, you can't re reopen it? You can't go? No. As far as I know, there's no longer any appeals. Yeah, this is, this is uh, all wrapped up in 2006, I believe. Oh, that was okay. the last appeal that we lost again, and then and uh, the, the final the final judgment, which I actually include in the book, mm -hmm. the actual court papers, um, which reads almost like. So you're reading the book and you think that I'm telling you these things, and it sounds ridiculous. It sounds like there's no way they could have ruled against you, and then you can read the document, the actual court document, and see for yourself um, how sort of ludicrous it is. You know, it's just they're they're just saying black is white you know, up is down, it's, it's insane. So that's included. So anyway, like I said, people can make up their own minds. Um, other things that are include, included, uh, you tell a cool story about a poker tournament you play in, in which there is basically no rules. They did not worry about the one player per, per hand rule. It was like you against the room. That was pretty right. cool. Uh, you play some cash game with a uh, uh, poker hall of famer, which was uh, pretty cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but what I think people will find really interesting is there are li literally seven pages of bullet points showing the similarities between your screenplay, which was called uh, The Shell Game, right? That's right. Mm -hmm. uh, seven pages of similarities between your screenplay and Rounders. Correct. Yes, that's the list that I got. I used to um, get Martyr to get him on my side, as is detailed in the book. I won't get into it, but... Uh... Yeah, I figure I needed something to show people. I can't just walk in and say they stole my movie or whatever. So I had to go home and I wrote it up. And uh, yeah, it was seven seven pages long. There's a lot of similarities, a lot, a lot of similarities. And some that are just glaring, you know, some of the language that they use is just, you know, like I, I go into a point where I compare my my synopsis of the of the screenplay that I included with the, with the scripts I, I sent out and their marketing materials on their website. And I, I do a side-by-side -side comparison and I won't, I won't ruin the ending for you, but it's interesting, I thought, to say the least. That's when I first sort of realized that something had gone wrong looking at the website, which was, you know, internet was still pretty new back then, but yeah, that's how I found it. Munchie was the one who called me. But anyway, we're getting into some details, but... Um, if we go yeah. into a little bit more detail, I, I mentioned briefly before we started recording that The Ringer did an oral history a couple of years ago. If I read mm -hmm. you a couple of quotes, um, could I get your response to a couple of these? Sure, absolutely, please, okay. love to. Let me just find it here real quick. Um, if we go into further detail, you might as well just read the goddamn book on the, on the show. Right, I can read it out loud and then we can, do, we can do it in installments. I could do one chapter a week and we could just do it one, you know, like a serial thing. Yeah, then no one's like, bed, like bedtime stories. 
Right, uh, right, perfect. One so, of the, but I am also, I was, I was giving you a hard time before, but I'm an audiobook fan myself. I'm a huge, I don't read books either anymore. I listen to audiobooks mostly. And, uh, you know, when you're walking in the woods, when you're going to bed, you're, you know, they just, especially during COVID, um, I just find them to be soothing. And um, it's just an easy way to read a book, you know? So I'm a fan of that and looking forward to um, having mine be read by, by, by Matt Damon or someone, you know. You, you both must be younger than me because I can't do it. Like, I've, huh. tried, I've tried the audio before. I just, it's weird to me. I got to read it. So I appreciated mm -hmm. you sending me this. Um, right. One of the gentlemen. But there are times when holding a book in your hand is just real satisfying, and I, and I enjoy that also. But like before bed, I become a big audiobook fan because it's dark and you just have the headphones, and I sort of fall asleep to it. But um, you definitely can't replace the actual physical, especially a hardcover, you know, copy of a of a book, um, just to sort of like uh, give it the weight, you know, and the the importance that it that it sort of deserves. I like paper as far as aesthetically. But um, it's also nice to have the option. All right. I'm going to read you a quote from uh, Brian Koppelman. He's one of the gentlemen who's credited with writing rounders. Uh -huh. I called him in, in the middle of the night and he said, we got to write about this world. He, being the smartest person I knew at the time, said, but what's the story going to be about? Who are the characters? The setting is amazing. And it was perfect because we had already realized we wanted to write about a character like Worm and a friend of his. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. fascinating huh yeah yeah what what character was that in his life to, to my knowledge he wasn't a poker player or a writer yeah. before rounders i and mean then one of the uh one of the producers on it is actually quoted in here saying there were a couple of poker scripts and we looked and we looked at the competitive project but nothing wasn't as insider as what this was referring to really that's interesting. I yeah. haven't heard that before. Yeah, I wonder what scripts those were that they were looking at. Huh. What I, I don't know. It's, the whole thing is so bizarre because looking back on it now, you have to understand that there weren't any poker movies. It didn't exist. Nobody knew what Holden was. Nope. No one knew what No Limit Holden was. Nobody knew what the World Series of Poker was. No one knew anything about it. There hadn't been a poker movie since the Cincinnati Kid or something. There was no poker movies at that time. And so I was up against a, 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 a hill just from the outset, because people were like, well, this isn't a, they, they always make what they, what, what sells, right? So if Spider-Man's selling, make more Spider-Man. Yep. There was no poker selling, there was no poker period. And so it was sort of my idea um, that, I, that I talk about a little bit in the book and I'll, I'll give a little bit of that. But uh, I was, I remember um, watching Wimbledon at the time and uh, the first prize in Wimbledon was half a million dollars. And the first prize of the WSLP that year was a million dollars and no one had ever heard of uh world series and um everyone knew about wimbledon it was global and televised and i'm like this is twice the prize money and it's super action-packed no one even knows what's going on and so i wanted to sort of bring that world that culture um not to mention that all the card clubs went from stud and low ball mm -hmm. you know mushroom tables where you dealt yourself and then they all just sort of went away and we were just like like fast, just overcome with uh, holding tables. And so I watched that happening in the casino because every time I walk in the door, there'd be more holding tables unless there where the mushroom tables go, where's the low ball section. Um, and so I realized this was happening. I figured this is a, I wanted to bring the story sort of to the masses and it hadn't been done before. Uh, so you have to remember I was living in the casino and my friend Munchie was running around with me and getting in a little bit of trouble. 
also at the side. I didn't personally get into any trouble, um, but he did. He did get into a little trouble, and that's where the whole um, origin, you know, the genesis of the story came from. Was you write what you know, you know, and this is what this is what how, how we would live. So mine is actually obviously set in Los Angeles. There's a set in New York, but I mean, they just transposed it and they didn't take the whole screenplay I wrote. They just right. took a section of it and sort of expanded it and, and set it in New York City, in, in my opinion. That's in my opinion, of course, I can't just say it's- I'm gonna- Is there a, is there a goulash joint in, in LA? <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's plenty of goulash joints everywhere. I just, matter of fact, I played in a tournament Monday night in a, in a bar in Hermosa Beach. That was that was crazy. It was like insanely short stacked. You got you got like three chips, and it was it was it was rebuy rebuy rebuy. But the stakes kept going up. And so you, if you if you were gonna rebuy for 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 five chips, the blinds were one and two, and uh, it, everyone was drinking and it was it was crazy. But it was fun. So it was fun. Yeah. But there's there's a goulash joint. So we used to eat um, in the in the casinos. I I, I never went to a, a restaurant. We never left the never left the club. So we ate a lot of fried calamari and wonton soup at the uh, Normandy Club in, at Hollywood Park. And, mm -hmm. I will, uh, I will uh, send you this article offline if you know if you want to if you want to read it, raise your blood pressure. You'll have it there. Otherwise, uh, we'll we'll just let it be. But it there are a lot of interesting um, facts claimed in this article that I think you'll find interesting. Uh, the, just the last thing I'll say is. Uh, those the the two gentlemen uh, credited with uh, writing rounders, uh, then went on to to write for the show Tilt on ESPN. Did you ever catch that? I remember briefly. There was so much stuff after Rounders came out. Like I said, that was sort of the crack, and then there was just a flood of poker stuff came through. A bunch of them. None of them were really any good, but there was that, that Tilt show was one of them. I don't think I ever yeah. saw it. it. Not 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 really good. That's, no, that's, no, that's why I brought it up. It, it was there, something there was to watch, a... but it wasn't right, very right. Yeah, well, funnily enough, those same guys also are behind or involved with the show Billions. Mm -hmm. And they were recently sued and won again from a lady who I happen to know personally who claims that they stole her character for the character of the, you know, hotshot female, like, um, consultants. I don't watch the show, so I don't know. I haven't seen but, it. Um, she met with them according to her she met with them and they agreed to hire her as a consultant for the show and then ghosted out and disappeared and and then she claims they used her character she sued she lost also hmm. uh but this just happened a couple of years ago so fucking scary. sort of history repeating itself in a way um but i thought that was pretty funny as well but yeah oh, there was before four rounders nothing after rounders there was runner runner there was the molly movie uh there was uh, tilt there was you know, an endless supply of uh, shows, not to mention the live ones. Obviously, when they figured out how to show the whole cards, it just that changed the television. Aspect. Yeah, I don't, I don't honestly, I think Molly's game is pretty good, but I, I, I don't, I don't think there's been a good poker movie since. Well, we can, we can all agree Rounders is a pretty kick ass movie. I cannot say that I don't think it's a good movie. Yeah. I do think it's a good movie. I think it's, it's well done, well acted. I think. Obviously, I have a personal, you know, uh, you know, Malkovich with the whole. Uh, uh, anyway, I liked it. I'm a poker fan. I like the movie. I like John Dahl, the director. He's an excellent director. The characters are good. The actors are good. So, yeah, it was fairly well done, which I'm grateful for. I'm glad it was. I'm glad it was well done and successful and popular. Otherwise, you know, 
what would we be talking about? I'm, you know, I'm not going to weekend at Bernie's or something. I'm not going to be writing a book about that. <laughs> probably, you know? All right. If we weren't, if we didn't talk, if we didn't have the book to talk about, we would just give you the regular fade the Mahoney uh, experience. So let's do that now. Is that cool? I'm anxious to experience that. Yeah. All right. Let's do, um, let's do a DGEN story or two. Uh, during our emails, you had a bevy of them. So let's, Let's get cracking. Let's do, uh, you said something about a Doyle Brunson uh, story. Yeah, that's pretty good. Uh, okay, this is, a, I'll try to be quick about it. This is a story that involves Irie Guy. I hope you won't mind. This is at the World Series. It's sort of a two-part story. Um, I'll tell you the first part. Um, it was, I don't know, 10 years ago, maybe it was, I'm not sure how long ago it was. It was a while ago, it was at the Rio. And you know how they, they have those uh, VIP rooms at the Rio? Mm -hmm. For the players, like lounges for you to hang out in between tournaments, between events. Okay, and so you, you, you pay what, I don't know, $1,000 or something and you can go all week or so there's some, there's some exchange, I don't know how it works, but um, Irie Guy had access to one of these lounge rooms. And so he was gonna play in the main event. And so I was with him, I wasn't playing in the main event, didn't have the dough, but um, in the lounge, which even though I don't have a pass, I'm with him, so I guess it was okay. And we're hanging out before the main event and it's pretty crowded. And all of a sudden the crowd sort of just disappears. I'm, I was a little bit hungover that day. And I was, I think there was free beer there. And so I was sort of sucking on a few beers and uh, the whole crowd got up to nothing until there was, I looked up and there was nobody left somehow. So it was me and Irie guy, no staff, no anyone. There was people running around serving you. There was all kinds of people. And then all of a sudden we were late cause it was starting, I guess. And so he's like, okay, gotta go. So he gets up to go. And I'm still sitting down and he's walking across the room. I'm gathering my belongings, whatever I'm doing. And three guys come from down the hallway from the, from the other room adjoining this room that I'm in, not really a hallway, but, and they're walking toward me and it's two suits, two security, two casino guys, you know, with, with badges and a dude in the middle who was bigger than the other two dudes. And he was dressed weird, like in, uh, the other, these guys had, you know, tan suits on. They looked like, you know, security guys. He's got a full, he's got, it's like a tuxedo, but with no jacket, but the shirt was like sparkly and the, had hair, big thing of hair, white teeth and a tan and boots on. And he's in the middle of these two guys are flanking him. And I'm like, what, you know, does Liberace play poker now or something mm -hmm. like that? What's going on here? Who is this person? Why is he in the poker lounge? Are they here to bust me? Is this guy the chief of security? You know, is this guy the, you know, a, a well why are these guys here? I don't even have a pass to be in there. So I'm wondering why they're coming toward me. The guy in the middle who's dressed up like a peacock comes straight toward me and he puts his hand out and he says, hello. And I look at him and it's Wayne Newton. Oh, wow. You know who Wayne Newton is? Does anybody know who that is anymore? I know who he is, sure. So he's famous in Las Vegas, I guess. Yeah. Yep. He walks over to me and he shakes my hand, says, hi, Wayne Newton. And I'm like, hey, what's up? And then, uh, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm Jackster, you know what I'm saying? What am I supposed to say? It's Wayne Newton, I'm not even supposed to be there. He figures I'm some sort of, uh, you know, executive or something like that. I don't know what I'm doing there. Blinkies are, uh, Irie guy's gone. So I shake his hand and I, and I leave and then I'm watching the tournament later on. Of course, the spotlight comes out, he comes out. He's there to announce the, the shuffle up and deal oh, okay. of, the, uh, of, the, of the World Series. Yeah, so that's my Wayne Newton story. And then later on that same tournament, I played in a limit hold'em event uh, $1,500 limit hold'em event that I was backed in by someone who I don't even know who they were. Um, but I played in it. I did pretty well. I made it to day two and I was solid. I was, you know, in the middle somewhere or, or whatever. And uh, Doyle sits down at my table and 
this isn't really a, a giant hand or anything, but it was Doyle Brunson. And I was like, oh, wow. And I got a chance to uh, check raise Doyle Brunson. So, you know, I won't bore you with the hand, but uh, it's got, well, I'll tell you, okay, he had seven, nine, I had King Jack, comes King, I bet he raises, I call, turn comes Jack or vice versa, I Kings and Jacks. I check, he bets, I raise. I, so I checked, I had to check, and then he calls, he called me down. And he ended up with a, a, a middle pair. He's a very aggressive Holden player, but he said, nice hand. <laughs> it took him about 30 seconds to, to, to get out those two words. So I have, I have uh, two Doyle stories myself. Uh, the short one, maybe it was even the same year. I played in the main event in 2010. And uh, when they say that's the best tournament to play in, because the overwhelming majority of people have no business being there and have no chance to win. That was me. Right. Um, so people should play. Um, <clears throat> I was in the middle of uh, what we call the abyss. I couldn't win a pot for weeks and weeks. Uh, my bankroll was basically gone. And uh, on the ESPN coverage, when Doyle busted and was... Uh, uh, walking out of the room and everybody was standing up and clapping for him. I am smack dab in the middle of the coverage, sitting there, not clapping because I didn't give a fuck uh, nice. that <laughs> someone other than me had busted. Didn't right. So it was right. the year uh, Jonathan, uh, what's his name? Duhamel or something like that. One. And uh, I used to have that little clip on my DVR because whenever I was feeling huh. bad, I'd go back to that. I was never right. feeling that bad, but that DVR was like six or seven DVRs ago. So I haven't seen it since. <coughs> cool. Um, well, you'll always have it on YouTube. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, Part of history. You got a, uh, you got something else, another story uh, you want to share, or do you want to go on to the hard hitting questions that we do around here? Uh, we can go on to the questions. I just wanted to say that this last weekend, uh, I had a two-team parlay, money, money, money line parlay on Cincinnati and, uh, and San Fran, hmm. uh, 10 to 1. And uh, I was very disappointed. Uh, when San Fran was up 10, I was looking like the smartest guy on the planet. And, of course, they didn't pull it off, and then the Rams didn't even cover. Um, but I did have money line on, on Cincy by themselves, too. So I'm just showing my chops right now, you know. Okay. Well, you did you – did, uh... <laughs> You did lock in a little bit of profit by taking San Fran right before kickoff, right? Plus the uh, three and a half? Mm, no. 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 I had the Rams. Ooh. I had the Rams minus three and a half. Which, so you middled yourself. Bad. You middled. Yeah, it turned out to be a hedge. I didn't even really know I had that bet. I made it like last week when the spreads first came out because I thought they might change. So then I went the other way because I figured all the shenanigans from the week before, I thought, what if it continues, you know? And I'm like, Mahomey, can he possibly lose? I don't know, but. Anyway, I took a shot at it. And so not only did I, didn't I win the parlay, I didn't win the Rams with the points because they didn't cover. Yeah, so. You'll fit in perfectly around here if you- yeah. sounds like, yeah, It sounds great. like going to the roulette wheel and betting red and black. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Well, you know, I was getting 10 to one on the, on, the, on the parlay and I was only getting, you know, minus 108 or whatever, another thing, but I just forgot I had it. Yeah, well, I do that a lot. Oh, DJ story. One year. At you the, seem pretty sharp to be. I mean, honestly, it's, you seem sharp. Uh, me? Are you talking <laughs> to me or these, these guys? Which one? <laughs> yeah. I appreciate that. Uh, I don't know if that's true or not, but um, I'm not that sharp when it comes to sports betting. Believe me, ask, ask Irie guy about that one. Once in a while, I get lucky. I almost got lucky this weekend, but uh, no, no, not sharp. 
not sharp. Yeah, having both sides of the of the game is not unusual for me either. Well, usually that comes after the game starts, like we, we talked about. Now that you can bet after the game starts, it's just like, it's like degen paradise. You know? those, are the only, those are the only bets I can win recently. Yeah, betting, well, it's good. Money. You can get kind of a feel of what's happening sometimes, although Kansas City looked like they were going to destroy him after the opening drive, right? So it doesn't always work, but um, yeah. As, as did the Packers a couple weeks ago. As did the Packers. They went down and scored almost immediately, like, like it was nothing. Like it was going to be a, a massacre also, cakewalk, yeah. So you can't always tell. Did you have uh, did you have one more DGen story? I thought you were about to start one there. Do you have one? Uh, well, yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, yeah, it's, it's not it's not great. But um, one year when I happened to have more money than I generally have it was it was Kentucky Derby Day, and um, I, uh, <laughs> I I I just kept I don't know I was I was at a party and and I had a couple cocktails, and um, by the it's not it's not kickoff by the bell whatever you call it, by the gun i had uh five grand bet on the race which is way more money than i probably all that i had at the time all of my money um and then all different kinds of things and the thing was so long i couldn't even really keep track of what i had bet on but i knew i needed the lead horse to win the favorite if the favorite didn't win i was doomed and luckily the favorite came in and all my different parlays and groupings and this and that and fade this and fade that fade this and uh at the end of the whole thing i came out even <laughs> have the way break you yeah 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 good sweat yeah yeah i was sweating for a while and i was like oh my god what have i done you know because it's so easy you know to just when you're online get sort of caught up in it but uh yeah no i'm very low. I go my greeny level now. You know, I'm, my nitrogen is very. I, I go my, my unit is one, one, one green, whatever that is, whatever percentage of a, of a Bitcoin that is. It's a millionth or something, I guess. <laughs> okay, <laughs> it's not much, so I, I can't get in trouble anymore. Although right. that would have been nice, nice parlay to hit. It would have made a decent enough chunk of cash, but yeah. So, Super Bowl. Anyway. Let's get into the nitty gritty if you want to. All right. Questions. Uh, real questions around here. I hope you're prepared. What's your favorite Taylor Swift song? Oh, my God. My favorite Taylor Swift song is ha would have to be the one where she uh, scratches the guy's car up and bashes out his headlights. Mm. And uh, uh, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's a Carrie Underwood song. But uh, I know what you I know what you mean. Right. All right. <laughs> is there a difference between that? Oh, oh, not much. All the, right. the, the yeah, no. Okay. All right. Uh, my favorite Taylor Swift song is Taylor Swift herself. End of story. I like Taylor Swift and every one of her songs is my absolute favorite. Wonderful. Especially the one where she goes, uh, she writes the guy's name in the box or whatever. She can write my name in that box. <laughs> blank space. She's like, I got a blank space and I'll write your name in it or whatever. Meaning like she's single, I guess. And that's the way I took it. She can write. Jeffrey Allen Grasso, right into that space. All right, I'm going to put you down for blank space. You came up with one. Whatever she wants. All right. Um, uh, second important question uh, last year during. I only know that, by the way, because I have a daughter. Okay. That's the only reason I know that song. All right. Full disclosure. I don't want anybody. I got a reputation. I've got two daughters, and we went and saw her in concert a couple of years ago before the wow. world shut down. That must have been a thrill for them. Sweet. Sweet. We're a good dad. I got four. Him. I got four daughters, and we ain't going to no Taylor Swift concert anytime soon. You'd need a you need a, a home business loan to take uh, four kids to a Taylor Swift concert. <laughs> wow, yeah, wow. We all have girls, isn't that funny? Yeah, the yeah, best. You guys more than more than me. Wow, four. Good lord. 
All right, Jeff, uh, if you had to use one word or a short phrase um, to describe LeBron James last year during the playoffs after the Lakers were eliminated, he announced to the world that he was changing his jersey number for this year. How would you describe that? Well, first of all, it's LeBron, but I would describe that. I think the word for that would be, and since I'm a writer, I better get this right, solipsistic. I would say. Ooh. Solipsistic. Edoc, mm -hmm. what's that word mean? I, I think, does it start with an S or a C? An S. Yeah, I'm not sure. Solipsistic. It's basically narcissistic. to narcissistic. Correct. Right. Yeah, basically the same thing. Just different. That, that's, that's the, use, uh, that's the word Maria the word? Ho used. She did. Solipsistic? No, she used narcissistic. Oh, wow. Okay. Close enough. Okay. But sure it, enough. It fits. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It just means you think the world revolves around you. Oh, basically. Yep. Yep. So, mm -hmm. a douchebag. Yeah. <laughs> like, I live in LA, you know. So, LeBron, you know. All right. I can't say I, anything like that, but I, I will say that, yeah, I, I know what you mean. Mm -hmm. All right. I've got this new thing. I'm going to. My gonna Lakers fan friends would kill me if I said anything bad about LeBron. Who would? My Lakers uh, fr uh, fan friends, my friends who are Lakers fans. Yeah, I have a lot of friends who like the Lakers. We are friends who like here. You can like the Lakers. You just don't have to like LeBron. I mean, really? Is that, that's like liking pizza, not liking cheese or something, isn't it? I mean, how do you, how do you separate? We're going to use that word as the title of this episode, I think. Solipsistic. See how many clicks hey, wait a minute. <laughs> what did you call me? No. <laughs> Um, you think Edonk is autistic? No, I don't think so. He's okay. He's all right. He's all right. All right. Let's um, everything. The last forty-five minutes, all preamble. We're gonna do. We're gonna bet on a game. Or you're at oh, least boy. you're gonna tell us who you're betting on in the Super Bowl. Rams are favored as of now. Favorite. It's up to four and a half. Last I checked. Four and a half. Angles. What do you think? Oh, I am in Los Angeles and. That is my local team. Joe Burrow looks so much like Cinderella that you almost want to give him the idea that he could win, which is why I thought he could win last week. I'm going to take Cincy in the points just to go against the grain. Don't tell anybody because I'm, a, I'm an L.A. local. All right. I can't I can't believe the numbers going up. Seems kind of weird to me. I can't like either. I guess all the money's coming in on. LA, right? But I mean, look what he just did. Of course, they are at home, don't forget. This is LA in LA. And that new stadium cost $25 billion. And to have the home team win the Super Bowl there in the brand new stadium, I mean, that sounds like it's good for business. So, <laughs> you know, that makes me wonder also, did you see the story about the guy today who accused the Dolphins of, of, of um, telling them to throw games? Speaking of corruption and, and you know, rigged uh, systems, um, so that part of me would say LA is going to win because what a story, but then looking what Burrow did away, they just got a lot of heart. This team, it seems like they came out of nowhere. So Cinderella story. That's my, that's my pick. Cinderella right. story. Well, maybe the Rams win by three and then everybody's happy. All right. Okay. That's that story. I can't imagine how that could be true. How can the owner because the, the story is the offer, the owner offered Flores $100,000 per game lost. Right. So that they would get a better draft pick. Better draft pick, right. Yeah. 
And I mean, the whole idea of the worst team in the league getting the first draft pick, I mean, that incentive alone, if you don't think that causes corruption, you're out of your mind. I mean, obviously a team who's on the verge of being the, the number, the worst, are they going to try very hard to win three games or something? And then maybe be totally priced out of the, the pool, out of the, you know, if they want some particular player, say they need a QB and he's going to go number one. Just obviously huge incentive. Um, whether or not that happened to this guy or not, or he's just upset about other things, I don't know, obviously. But I'm not shocked. I mean, it just seems a little obvious. Like, yeah, when the game here's 100 grand, I would think it would be more subtle. Like, do you like working here? You know, wouldn't it be great to get the first round draft pick next year? Like, you could say it like that and yeah. have the same effect. That's you how I would imagine it. Not like, here's 100 grand, lose the game. But um, who knows? Yeah, you, you you lose a bunch of games as a coach. You don't get to coach anymore. So it seems like not something that you would be all that excited to do. Another excellent point is he's be sacrificing short-term financial gain for a long-term, obviously, career, you know, reverse trajectory, which he would not want to do. When in the NFL, all you want to do is, you know, coach more games for a winning team, right? I mean, yeah. Once you get to that level. So the whole story is very strange. I'll be watching to see how it shakes out. Um, it's not quite as interesting as my story, you know, dirty dealing, waging war with Harvey Weinstein and the, uh -huh. yeah. click not on the link. That. It's not as good as that. And obviously not as well written, but uh, it's still click, an interesting story. Click on the link below. Just order the book. When it shows up, you'll be very, very happy that it did. Um, I've got a few uh, shout outs and well thank said. yous. Few shout outs and thank yous I want to go through real quick to wrap up the show. Was there anything else you wanted to cover uh, before no. we uh, head out? Just that you have excellent taste in literature. Mm. And uh, it was a pleasure meeting you guys. And thank you much for the opportunity. And thanks to Irie Guy. And um, I hope to see uh, more of you both and him. What, and would, be, what would be cool? Everyone else. What would be cool is uh, when it comes uh, closer to. Um, the shipping date uh, mm -hmm. for the book. Uh, you had a few. You had a few other stories that uh, I think I'd like to hear, and everybody else would like to hear. So maybe when uh, when the book's about to actually ship, we could have you back on and go over a few more stories. Yeah, I do have more. I'll tease them for you, like they do on TV. Okay. I used. To, I went to a party. Well, I won't even say that. I used to work for. Here's a little tease. I used to recently. I used to work for as a writer, the Wolf of Wall Street. Uh, the guy who they based the movie on. You're familiar with that movie, Wolf of Wall Jordan, Street? Jordan Belfort. Jordan Belfort, yeah, was my boss uh, right here in town uh, not too long ago. Cool. Um, so that was interesting. I could tell you a little bit about that. Maybe. Teaser. That's Teaser. awesome. That's there's awesome. A, there's a, there's a, about poker, though, and we only don't care about poker. No, poker's that's okay. in the book. Poker's in the book. But I'll tell you, I can tell non-poker stories on this side, too, right? Yeah. There's a decent chance I'll be in LA on the 21st and 22nd of March, and I'd love to buy you dinner. That would be awesome. I would love to have you buy me dinner. Fantastic. I know great places. Great. I know, spot. I know the spot. Here we'll are go my to Redondo. Here are my thank yous to wrap up the show. First off, thank you for uh, to Ivory Guy for putting us together. Um, I've never. Love. I've never gotten a pre copy of a book before, so that was a new experience. So. That was awesome. I'm glad that happened. Uh, thank you to uh, Maria Ho for coming on last week um, with very little marketing for that particular episode. It is already in third place in a week. Uh, 
we've done nearly a hundred shows. Hers is in wow. third place as far as views. Um, wow. Fantastic. Want to thank the savages, Trevor and Jody for their friendship and always making time for the show. Um, we've got, uh, We've got Nick from Hustler Casino Live. He was on the show last night on Hustler Casino Live. He's going to stop by on Friday to tell us about his experience on the show. So uh, if anybody's still watching, we're closing in on an hour. Uh, uh, wow, get, excited. Really? Get, get excited for Nick to come on the show. Next wow. week, we've got DGAF coming on in the middle of the week to do uh, Super Bowl props. Mm -hmm. I'm going to give him a shout out right now. What do you got? Doesn't he wear his shades? Did, not, did oh. I see him wearing his shades on his, on his podcast? I just watched that. That's, you did? Trying to be like him. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Do awesome. my research, bro. He's the, uh, his episode, his episode is the number two. You can't compete with smells. Not for long. Not did for you long. Watch, did you watch the smells episode? Nobody can compete with that one. That's, that's the biggest winner. Um, uh, I'm thinking, I'm hopeful the beginning of next week, we're going to have David Baker, uh, on the show, uh, of all of our guests who've been on the show over the past year, only one of them has actually done well, uh, David Tuckman, uh, but we're hopeful, uh, David Baker actually handicaps games and wins money betting sports. Mm -hmm. So he might point us in the right direction for the Super Bowl. And my last thing here on my list, mentioning David Tuckman. Uh, both him and Daniel Negrano are going to come on uh, the second week of February. We're going to talk some hockey for the first time on the show. Wow. Wow. I'm in very uh, vaunted uh, company there. Sounds like you've got a good, good lineup coming. Yep. All right. Uh, that's the show. Jeff, this is awesome. If I didn't mention it, I really enjoyed the book. You're getting another phone call, probably from Miramax. Pissed off at you for doing this show. Um, you all right? Did that come through the thing? Just a little. We're okay. My I usually off do the ringer. I do it once. The computer once is on the ringer. And uh, yeah. Anyway, thanks for coming on the show. I apologize. This is my no, first podcast I've ever done, obviously. I hope people buy the book. I hope people read the book. Can someone it's... tell me how to not make it ring on the computer when I'm on the. I don't if know I turn how. The sound off, then I can't hear you. So I don't, I don't, I don't know how because it happens to me too. I'm too old. <laughs> oh, thank God. Okay, I feel okay. better. So, All right. Thank you. We good, everybody? This is a good show. Hey. I'm excited. Yeah. Great seeing you guys. Thanks so much for having me. Peace and love. Love you. Bye-bye. Right. Good gambling, Bye. everybody. Mm -hmm. Thanks, man. Cheers.